Welcome to the Intern Whisperer Live, the show all about entrepreneurs, industry innovation, great leaders, and internships. Reminders, <laughs> listeners, you can call <laughs> us live on the air. The phone number is 407-582-2906. And you can also chat with us online through Intern Pursuit's Facebook live chat. And we have somebody with us, and it's, it's your my family. Hey, Yay. Grandma. Bendicion, <laughs> love you. Uh, your, ma, your grandmother knew you were going to be up here today. Probably. Yeah, she, she probably always checks just to make yeah. sure. Uh, I haven't <laughs> she's seen our, her in She's a while. our biggest fan, yeah. Yeah, she is. Between his family and Khalil's family, and there was somebody else that they're Jerron's family. Mm -hmm. They were always the parents and the grandparents were there. Okay, Abby, sorry, go oh, back to you. My bad. Um, coming up, this episode of the Intern Whisperer Live, a conversation with Nicole Hall Elser. Also, looking for employers that provide awesome internships? Why don't you sign up with Intern Pursuit? Go to their website, www.internpursuit.tech today, and sign up for free. All right, so how can you find Intern Pursuit? You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find our Intern Pursuit, The Game, on Twitter and also on Facebook. And you can also look for us on, again, watch us live on the air on Facebook. We are now on, oh gosh, Valencia College Radio. That's where people can find <laughs> us live there. Right. And you can call us also at 407-582-2906 and chat with us on Intern Pursuits Live Facebook chat. And she is doing it. Thank you, Annie. Oh. <laughs> All right. So it's time for our first patron of the night, Orlando Devs. We are a community of software developers in Orlando, Florida. Whether you love writing code or are just getting started, you are welcome here. Their website is orlandodefs.com. Thank you, Orlando Defs, for being a patron of the Intern Whisper Live. Also, I just realized what I did wrong, and I am sorry. <laughs> Abby, your yeah. grandmother says she loves you. Oh, I love you too, Grandma. <laughs> Te veré pronto. I, I don't know what you did, so that's okay. Oh, all right. So, sweep it under the rock and never talk yeah, about it didn't again. Didn't even notice. <laughs> so, intern pursuit news: Students that want to work with one of our great employers or with intern pursuit, go to internpursuit.tech and create your profile to be matched. We have people that have signed up on our platform now. We invite employers of all types and sizes to be part of our early adopter beta program. And early adopter employers are accepted until December 2019. If you want more information, shoot us an email at in info at internpursuit.tech. So we are welcoming a kick-ass, I'm not supposed to say that, but a kick-ass boss lady founder, Nicole Hall Elser, who works out of Starter Studio with me, and I'm so excited to have her as a guest. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. All right, so Abby, you want to kick it off? Do you know yeah. how to say her partner's name? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Um, my bad. Uh, I'm just managing a bunch of windows here. So, Got all right, it. let's uh, let's get this show started. So, you have a co-founder, uh, Kinsley Gerks. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, you got it. All right, awesome. Why don't you tell us uh, how you all collaborated and decided to create Batter East? Is that yep. how you pronounce Batteries. it? Batteries. Batteries. Little play on words. Uh, so yeah, it, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it actually started out of Rollins College. We were both social entrepreneurship majors there, and we got connected through the Innovation Hub. Um, but the challenge in 2018 for Holt Prize um, was actually to address the problem of energy poverty. And so in trying to address that problem, we uncovered that there were a lot of issues behind that issue itself um, and we found that the biggest limiter for affordable off-grid energy was energy storage which is funnily enough a battery and wow. uh, <laughs> since the cost of solar was dropping we figured the best place to start was to try to find a more affordable battery system and that's what we tackled so pretty cool pretty cool um, so I have never heard of Bat, let's see, energy, what did you say? Energy, energy poverty. poverty. Yes. Okay, I've heard of food deserts. I've heard of a lot of other things, but energy poverty, is that like where blackouts happen in some third world countries? 
Yes, but it's also people that can't afford their electricity bill. It's also people that oh. are living, you know, that are homeless. They're not able to access the things that keep us connected day to day. Yeah, like their phone. Exactly. Yeah. So there's 1.2 billion people in the world that are suffering from energy poverty. And um, there's a few million that are suffering from the most extreme versions where there is no access to a grid in the first place. Um, so for us, we're going for the most extreme form of energy poverty with our solution. Um, because it's cutting the cost of batteries in half and making it more affordable for those that are basically below the most extreme poverty line. Wow, did you have you ever heard of that, Abby? Uh, I have not actually. <coughs> oh, Excuse bless you. Me. Thank That's you. That's a first. I could on the tell show. I was going to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> so you graduated from Rollins College. Yes. And so did I. So we're both Rollins people there. Go That's a, yeah, go Tards. Um, <laughs> go and Kinsley, oh, I know, he squeezed that one in. He squeezed that one in. I saw that. Um, and so Kinsley goes there also, and she's yes. your business partner. Yes, she is. Yeah, she's a social innovation major, and she's a crazy cool lady. She's run so many things in her young life. She's uh, had her own startup. As yeah, well. like they're both so old, let yeah. me tell you. Well, <laughs> but you know, she's very impressive and a lover to death, honestly. She's my rock and wouldn't be able to be where we are without Kinsley on yeah, the team. So. You two are really good um, as business partners. I've seen how you really have created dynamic you know, PowerPoint presentations when it comes, maybe it's not PowerPoint, maybe it's something else. I'm not sure, Prezi, whatever. But, oh, I love you know, she is, um, they're both really high on that graphic visual um, ability to make mm -hmm. things just pop because when they do their pitch decks, they're amazing. Do you yeah. work with Pressy? No, actually, oh, okay. funnily enough, it is Google Slides because we mm -hmm. usually work remotely. Oh. Um, but Kinsley is really great at developing our brand. It is very purple and very beautiful. So I'm thankful for mm -hmm. her. Yeah, <laughs> very, very pretty. So... Um, now, I don't think I heard you mention, but when did you start Batteries? Batteries really started in, in terms of the concept in January of 2018. Oh, wow. Just yeah. Last year. Pretty yeah. recent. Yeah. Well, getting close to the two-year mark, you know, mm -hmm. so kind of scary, but it's still kind of <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Basically, we started out of this whole price journey, um, but when we started um, into actually running our business was probably fall of last year when we started with Starter Studio, mm -hmm. um, because before then it was just kind of this student project that was, uh, you know, part of this competition. But what really helped us realize our potential was coming back to Orlando after we had that learning experience with Holt Prize and starting to get integrated into the community here and actually starting a business and not just thinking about it so mm -hmm. yeah and your business I think is really challenging because it's it's in that social realm like a B Corp and mm -hmm. social responsibility it's it's a for-profit business mm -hmm. but there is perception and so I'm I, that wasn't one of the questions I gave you but do you find that as an entrepreneur one of the challenges that you hit is overcoming some of the mindset there is that oh that can't be a business yeah I definitely think um, it's a concept that's fairly new to have a, a business that's led by its mission to have a you know social impact yeah um, but I think there are really incredible leaders especially here in Orlando that have kind of uh, championed know, with you guys exactly so like clean the world Sean Sepler and Julia Colombino from um, rebuild globally like the, they have been really truly the inspiration and some of the first people to kind of pioneer that mm -hmm. initiative and um, it really set the groundwork for us to even think of it as a possibility and because we were able to think hey like we can run a business and it can do good in the world mm -hmm. you know we were able to come up with this incredible concept with their advisement so we'll throw another one out credo coffee oh yeah ben hoyer what a guy yeah. love that guy yeah that one's another one too. yeah yeah, right. and they're all for-profit businesses. They are, yes. Yeah. So um, let me field this one. So mm -hmm. how many women are in your industry, specifically in the energy industry? Do you know any idea? I don't have a number, but I know that there are a lot of initiatives that are in place to put more women into this field. Yeah, it falls um, under STEM. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And let, let's take a moment because our listeners may not know what STEM is, and that's science, technology, engineering and math and then there's also steam which is the same science technology engineering arts and math right so anyway just making sure 
if we throw an acronym out there, they know what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think the biggest struggle for us is not only the, the, uh, the science part of it in terms of the engineering and the energy field, but also in terms of the industry of waste, which is something that we're involved in, which I don't think I've softballed in yet. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, essentially collect electronic waste and we reclaim the batteries from these old electronics, whether they're consumer wow. level or they're, you know, an electric car. Do and you do we, that with phones? We do it with phones. We do it with laptops. Oh. We do it with power tools. Any appliance, really. We just pull the batteries from them. Mm -hmm. And we essentially rejuvenate them through our testing processes. And we give them a second life with an off-grid energy system. Um, so essentially, we take old batteries, we make them new again. Yeah. That's very interesting. I don't know. I guess I don't really think about these things, but I never even really put any thought into mm -hmm. what happens to these I batteries. I actually did a business plan for a guy that um, I want to say it was like five, six years ago. He wanted to bring recycling into the uh, multifamily units. Mm -hmm apartment units that were in Seminole and Orange County and right then that there weren't a lot of people that were doing that I think it's more uh, you know people can do that now however it was real expensive to for the recycling services to come in and do the you know sorting of it all now one of the other things that came out of it is I took a tour and I don't know if you've seen this and I haven't ever shared it with you but in Sanford there is a recycling plant and they do what you're saying and I don't know, I just thought about it and I went, oh my gosh, I should find the name of that place because they actually sort the electrical appliances like exactly what you're saying. That could be yeah. a partner for you. Yeah, absolutely. And the, just the reason that we take on all waste at, at this point in our business is because it's kind of hard to pick and choose a battery out of mm -hmm. you know, electronics. Um, so we work with other recyclers like Orlando Recycles that have been around for tens of years with zero EPA violations. So we mm. can make sure that all of the other components are recycled properly. Um, and then the batteries themselves is really where we take the charge. Um, and we're one of the few businesses in the United States that actually does recycle a cell without being destructive, which is one of the biggest problems with battery recycling. It's usually a fairly destructive process where you have to uh, use a lot of energy, resources, labor, and most of the time it doesn't have a high return because the commodity markets for lithium are, are pretty low and they have been for a few years. Um, so for us to be able to recycle something and not have to go through those extenuating, you know, labor intensive mm -hmm. things, we're mm -hmm. able to, you know, maximize our profit. And then of course have the opportunity to reduce the cost of energy storage for people. Now, I don't know about you, Abby, but I'm curious how, how do people destructively dispose of batteries just put them in landfills and then they just rot and yeah so if you're talking about like your regular consumer a lot mm -hmm. of times people just don't know what to do with them so they'll toss them in the garbage and it's really dangerous not only because does it you know it has really it leeches yeah mm -hmm. it has really toxic materials but it, when you go into landfills uh, they essentially crush and kind of tear apart things to make sure they're in smaller pieces and it's more compact. And especially with batteries, whenever they're punctured, you risk uh, having a fire. Um, and that's incredibly yeah. dangerous because mm -hmm. essentially we could set the entire landfill on fire with, you know, one bad crush. Oh my goodness. Now yeah. I'm going to go research that and see how many landfills have been. Yeah. Because they actually burn them anyway. Yeah. Well, and it's Control happened burns. in Florida as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the point. It's not controlled and that's really why it's so dangerous. My goodness. Wow. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, like you said, the leaching is coming into our soil, our waterways, things that get released into the air, especially when you're talking about, uh, you know, the battery control systems that are, you know, motherboards, they have toxic materials mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really something we have to keep out of the landfill. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of movements around recycling lately um, in relation to like plastic and those straws and things like that. But uh, electronic waste is actually the largest growing uh, stream of waste because there's new tech on the market literally Always. every day. Right. Oh, right. So what happens to that old tech? I mean, that's like everything yeah. from refrigerators, all of our major appliances, to the little things that we have. Yeah. Anything that you can plug in mm -hmm. and has to be charged, whether it's a phone or anything, right. you know, doesn't, it's not contingent on size. Yeah. Right. Oh, my goodness. All right. So moving on. Um, what facts or statistics would people have a hard time believing about batteries? Like fun little facts about it. Well, I have a like a personal share, which is one that always makes people go wide-eyed. Um, so we've collected just under uh, 
200 pounds of batteries and we've qualified 800 cells for reuse. So then um, that's little individual cells. So, you know, one battery doesn't weigh a full pound. 200 uh, pounds is like the size of an average man, I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And that's just from the support of six local businesses. A um, few of them are churches, a few of them are retail. And um, that's really where, how we've gotten so much support is because of the studies that uh, people have helped us create so and that's why we're rolling out our east builder campaign so we can have more spots to collect more batteries and keep our our numbers high so we have a 73 percent success rate so that's pretty good but yeah. what is the ease builder campaign so the ease builder campaign is a uh, box collection that's going to be in retail stores across orlando and we're working on some partnerships now so that they're in uh, high traffic areas so what about schools i would think having them in schools would be immensely helpful yeah absolutely so we're working with the the audubon school as well and, and fern creek because we have partnerships with them already yeah um so that it's just more available to people because the biggest problem is if you want to go recycle your laptop today you're going to have to walk yourself to the landfill that's really your only option or you're going to have to go to you know search for somebody that knows what they're doing um, and it's just really inaccessible, especially for the eco-conscious Orlando, Florida people. Um, and, you know, why, why not make it you easier? You think we're eco-conscious Well, we, I certainly am. And I think you some are. are. Yeah. I mean, I know I put my batteries in your box that was over yeah. there at Starter Studio. but Yeah. Well, we Orlando has the Beyond 34 initiative, which is hoping to boost the recycling rate for the city. So there are a lot of like governmental support for the initiatives that we're trying to put on. So that's really what makes Orlando such a great space for us is, is because mm -hmm. we are kind of leaders in cleaner technology. And mm -hmm. I'm very appreciative of all the help that Orlando's given us. So why is it called Beyond 34? You're just like... Oh my goodness, you'll say one thing, and I've got like three questions <laughs> in off of the one yeah. thing that you say. It's I'm like, sorry. Uh, that's amazing. No, I it's, feel it's so very interesting stuff, yeah. Yeah, Beyond I don't 34. People, I don't think people talk about it a lot. I've no. never really heard a conversation about it, so it's, it's intriguing stuff. Yeah. This is my favorite kind yeah. of thing. Now, he's a film guy, so okay. you know that there's a lot of technology in film also. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that that's interesting, Abby. Oh no, Maybe, I have another thing to drop on you. We're working with uh, Universal to help them create the most sustainable production um, in history. So oh. we're helping them recycle their batteries for their production lot. So That's super great. fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's um, interesting. But going back to Beyond 34, so the national recycling rate is 34%. So this is an oh. initiative with certain pilot cities to see what things can help them reach their zero waste goals. Um, and of course, you know, lowering the amount of electronics that end up in the landfill is a fairly high priority. Um, so our work with them helps us reach goals that are already in place. Okay. I don't know who's starting these things, but Chris it, Castro. Oh gosh. Chris Castro is in everything. That's, <laughs> He's the best. That's he really sustainable is. and eco-friendly and yeah. just about changing the world. Mm -hmm. We need more people like that in the world. Yeah. And he, yeah. he makes stuff happen. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 He's definitely the guy to go to if you have any kind of questions about sustainability because he's really making things happen. So. You know what? I'm going to have to see if I can get him as a guest on the show. Oh, That'd yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like good pull there, too, because like I would like that. I used to work at the Nature Conservancy. For two years, I worked there, mm -hmm. and I was just a, a really big fan of anything that was environmental. Uh, when I worked part-time at Rollins um, in Foundation Relations, I was in charge of environmental studies also. Anything that is eco-friendly, and it breaks my heart to see how much stuff we still in the office mm. put into the trash, just trash, when it could go into a recycle bin. Yeah. Just breaks my heart. Or how many people laugh at me when I whip out my metal straw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's somebody else in there that has a metal straw. I have one on my desk. Me too. I don't use a metal straw. I just use my Rollins re you know, water bottle. But Hey, that's just as good. Reuse yeah. your water bottle. Yeah. I don't sure even is. use straws. I just sip my drinks. That's, that's how sustainable good. are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No straws. Because the city has banned the straws and the city has banned styrofoam, um, styrofoam and plastic bags. So when you go to Publix, to mm -hmm. any Publix in the downtown Orlando area, Publix does not have those. You have to use either paper or, re you know, reusable bags. Good.
Yeah. Yeah. You you work for Publix, but not there. They're over there by UCF. Yeah. I think. Do they have the plastic bags there? Yeah, they still do. Uh, it will actually do. happen. Oh, I absolutely. Yeah, yeah it will. Yeah, I've they, seen they, they do have like uh, paper bags. So whenever I shop there, I I always just prefer to use paper bags. Yeah, yeah but paper takes even longer to dispose mm-hmm. because of the chemicals that are used in the paper. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's not any better. Yeah. I mean, we think psychologically it's mm-hmm. better, but mm-hmm. it's really not. What is best is to bring our own bags in and reuse them over and over and we, over We do again. recycle at, in my apartment, me and my roommates. So okay, good. Every paper bag that we have or plastic bag we always just take to Publix because they have like a little section where you yeah can the collections yeah. Yeah. yeah I do that too yeah I, that's the only way that you can recycle those bags if if you bring them back so yeah. I don't know what they do with them there you know I would love to find out because I'm sure it's a very intensive process because plastic <laughs> itself is already fairly difficult to recycle and those yeah. thin plastic bags have got to be a pain yeah they've got to mm-hmm. melt it down and turn it into something I don't know but Abby See if you can find out what the inside story is <laughs> from Publix, what they do with those plastic bags. I'll go undercover. So. Yeah, an expose. <laughs> we should do something. Yeah. Or at least, you know. I have yeah. no problem becoming a whistleblower. <laughs> 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 All, right. All right. So I know that you shared some of the facts and statistics that people would have a hard time uh, believing. Mm-hmm. But now, maybe you said this, but do you have any idea how many people um, in the country... Maybe you know this. I'm, this was not a question I prepared you for. Okay, okay. Um, actually, just either recycle batteries or don't even think about it. So this seems like a real awareness uh, drought, I'll I, say. I do have a, a statistic for you, not specific to batteries, but s- specific to electronics. Okay. I believe the recycling rate for electronics is in the in the teens. I believe it's 17%. So oh. even lower than our recycling rate for like plastic recycling, wow. which is 34. Um, but for batteries, the biggest problem really is everyone thinks of these single-use cells, your alkaline cells, so like your Duracells, your Energizers, um, as like the only real battery. They don't recognize... I think it registers that there's a battery in your computer. I don't think that people don't understand that. I think people are fairly smart. Um, But I don't think that there's the awareness of the danger of the battery Mm -hmm. in your laptop or the value that it could potentially serve, um, which is also another limiter, which we could probably talk about for hours. But... um, there's a whole movement on the right to repair because uh, the way all of our electronics are being designed now, uh, it's fairly impossible for anyone to be able to repair it without either the manufacturer's you know, specific repair tools um, or you know, just replacing it with a new one. Um, so that's kind of a big barrier because people, you know, sometimes just one thing will go wrong and uh, they'll, they'll have to toss it out. So, so Victor threw something up here. He said, according to the EPA, each year Americans throw away more than 3 billion batteries. Dear God. That's about 180,000 tons of these are single-use. Wow. Yeah. So single-use, actually, I have a really encouraging thing. So this is not a terrible news thing. So I've spoken to some executives at Duracell, and the newer Duracell batteries are actually becoming more biodegradable, where they can the chemicals within them can biodegrade within a few years. Mm. So good news, because most people do just throw away their alkaline batteries. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the businesses that create, you know, the big guys that are creating all of these big alkaline batteries are more aware of their need to become more sustainable. But, I mean, as you can see, there's still a bunch of you know, rechargeable yeah, batteries mm-hmm. that need to be taken care of. Um, it's one st- small step in the right direction, but we need right. more batteries in the <laughs> world to take care of the rest. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, what innovation? I mean, obviously, it's about the recycling. Right. Um, does batteries bring to the market? Is there anything else? I think awareness is, to me, that's an innovation because people are just clueless, and that's the purpose of the show here, is so we can help. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Make raise awareness and make people aware of what small things they can do that's going to make a big impact. Yeah, I, our our main innovations, of of course, are creating you know ways to capture electronic waste that are more convenient. So our 
our collection campaigns. Um, but in terms of our reuse potential, I think I mentioned earlier, we're one of the few companies in the United States that does not destroy a cell to recycle it or repurpose it. Um, and then on top of that, the battery management system that we have balances the cells that are coming from different depletion cycles um, so that they're able to have a steady stream of, of direct current or DC energy. So that way um, in our battery blocks, which are module batteries, um, each individual block is still outputting the same amount without being held down by its weakest link. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really our two big innovation factors. Um, and then, of course, we, we are a hybrid business where we have a foundation and a for-profit side of us. And our foundation is working on different initiatives of uh, refurbishing old laptops for the Ignite CS program at Rollins, where they teach kids how to code in Fern Creek. We're doing some battery projects for the Pulse Memorial as well with our refurbished batteries. So we uh, you know, still stay in our community for a lot of things right. through our foundation but our uh, for-profit business is more focused on a macro scale and our foundation is more, um, you know, helping us help our community that's uplifted us to where we are today. Is the foundation a nonprofit? Yes, it is. Okay, now maybe I can help in that area too exactly. because I do have some nonprofit background there. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll need a board. Do you have a board? We have a chair and that's All right. it. <laughs> All right, all right. Well then, one of the things that I think I can contribute here is to help you put together a, um, a simple matrix. I have tons of these in my in my own files uh, to recruit and a just a template to get you started on getting a, a board with yeah. some job descriptions and a, a, a board manual. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that would be a good thing. And you've got some people. You were in rally. Yes, we did. We. Um, we won second place. And I don't know if everyone, everybody knows what Rally is, so you might take a step back and let them know. Okay, yeah. Rally is a social enterprise uh, business accelerator here uh, in Orlando, and it's in partnership with the Central Florida Foundation and um, Rollins College. Mm -hmm. And we were part of the last cohort that just went through, um, and we were the runner-up, but we were the first ever in the history of Rally to be the runner-up that still received funding. Mm -hmm. um, so we got a $10,000 grant, and that helped us uh, take the next step to move into uh, Research Parkway down at UCF. So we're taking big strides because of that. And uh, obviously, circling back to how great Ben Hoyer is, um, he's helped us achieve a lot in the small amount of time we've been back in Orlando. So Yep, and just so our listeners know, Ben Hoyer is the one that started Rally. Yes. Yeah, and that is that enterprise that is focused on somebody sending us some love somehow. Um, that is the enterprise that is there to um, help make a change in our community as a whole, Orlando. So, yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank, thank you, you, Ben. Yeah, for all of those people thank at Rally. Thank you, Ben. Yes. <laughs> all right, so I think it's time for a patron announcement. Yay. Oh, That's am I you. Oh, oh okay. no, it's me. I'll oh, yeah. do it. I mean, I'll I can do it. Do it. It's okay. okay. We'll fight for it. But right. I'll do it tonight. <laughs> so Starter Studio, that is the place where Nicole and I both work downtown. It is a pioneering hub for innovation and tech-enabled entrepreneurs that empowers and provides resources for entrepreneurs, creatives, and innovators to begin, grow, and flourish in Florida. Through community education programs, accelerators, funding, and collaborative workspaces, Starter Studio fosters a community serving as a platform for the ideas of the future. Their website is www.starterstudio.org. Thank you, Starter Studio, for being a patron of The Intern Whisper Live. We'll have to figure out what that issue is with the music because I, you know I love our music. Yeah, I mean, it's going to play... Uh, normal? normal volume. Yeah, we yeah. just can't hear it here in the studio. Yeah, I don't we're know. Some Maybe Victor feedback. and Annie can tell us if they hear the music and if it sounds really loud or <laughs> like normal no, it should volume. No, it should be normal, yeah. yeah. I tested it out. Yeah, yeah. We I have know great you did. music. I, I, I always gush about the music. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Oh, well, what you don't know is that that music was created by a 16 year old <laughs> that was our music composer for our game wow. in England. And so we use wow. these little snippets. It helps promote our game, but it's also one of the things that is really cool that we can put out there. From the small bit I heard, it definitely sounds uh, inspired by Zelda. 
Oh, wait. Right? He said, okay, it's gone now. Yeah, he heard it for a short period. Yeah, it's a, Thank it's you, a, Victor. It's a small snippet. Yeah, <laughs> it's only it was a just transition clip. music, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, you want me to go ahead and ask the next You question? go ahead. All right. So what does the future of battery recycling looks like in the next 10 to 20 years? I think the biggest thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a much more strict regulatory environment. Mm -hmm. So right now there's no federal regulation outside of like transportation regulations um, just because it's been up to the states to regulate how the disposal laws go. So if you were to worry about battery recycling in California, you'd have a super tough time. But when you're looking at Florida's laws, we actually qualify um, batteries as universal waste and not hazardous waste. Mm -hmm. um, which is funny because that means that it's not regulated um, in any way like a hazardous chemical would be, even though it is an extremely hazardous uh, item in the form of waste. So I think the first thing that's going to happen is definitely there's going to have to be some regulations on the way th they are disposed in the first place. Um, and there's going to have to be accountability for a lot of these manufacturers that are mm -hmm. developing new tech. So I definitely see the, the apples and the Microsofts of the world taking a step up and having to do something about that. I, I You raise a lot of interesting points here because one of the things, I don't know if you remember, like regular light bulbs, like what we have over there against mm -hmm. the wall, like those have been banned. So we're yep. not supposed to, we're supposed to have energy efficient ones mm -hmm. and you can't mm -hmm. buy regular light bulbs anymore. Cars are changing. Yeah. I don't understand how Apple and all of these giants uh, companies that do phones and other, you know, laptops and technology how have they not thought through this problem here to make it so that they're taking energy efficiency into place, mm -hmm. energy efficiency, but also the waste itself? Yeah. So there's this place of why do we have to be constantly regulated? Why don't we? One of the things that I learned in my business class yeah. um, was that IKEA, when they started to create the IKEA brand, the furniture that they did, they didn't go, okay, let's build a leather couch and then sell it for $1,000. They went, how do we build a leather couch for $100? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they had to look and see what were the resources and how they could do that. Yeah. I think that's what people should be doing is how do we build right. this so that it's going to be not harmful to our environment. Oh, I, I agree completely. Yeah. yeah, and that was something I loved when I was in school as well. I Actually, my final project was about creating a more circular economy and um, biomimicry, <coughs> biomimicry and innovation. Ooh, fancy um, word. Yeah, it's uh, essentially first. like emulating the, the way our world works where everything, you know, we are born, we exist, we die, all of our nutrients are absorbed. Yeah, and they we become part things. of the, yeah. Yeah, so the intention of it is to design from the get-go, like you mm -hmm. said, um, this is going to be able to be repurposed or reclaimed in certain ways. And the biggest problem is the way things are designed now are for competition and for uh, making sure no one can, you know, miss out on that one little quick dime for coming to get your phone repaired or your laptop repaired, um, which again circles back to the your right to fix things and those right. kinds of things. So it's definitely a responsibility of these manufacturers, but I think um, in the same way that we have to influence social good and uh, environmental consciousness, it's almost the responsibility of consumers to uh, demand that of these you know, manufacturers. So um, I think it's definitely twofold. Actually, yeah, you have two types yeah. of mindsets you have to change. The yeah. people that mm -hmm. make it, but then the people that use it. Because yeah. I know that I've with, there are some generations that are very uh, cognizant of it. And I would right. say, um, I think silent generation, not so much. I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised. I thought they grew up in that depression time and they would be more aware mm -hmm. of like, oh, we need to be, you know, really conservative with resources. But I've seen those and some baby boomers, they just toss stuff in the trash and it, again, it breaks my heart to see, yeah. like, why are you throwing that in there? You could either resell it, you can gift it, you can donate it. Well, it's it's really hard and I think I think the reason why uh, my generation cares so much is because we've kind of grown up seeing how drastic change uh, comes from all these things that are happening. And, um, and I think in older generations, like, I don't think that there's that much of an extreme change in terms of what they see. And I mm -hmm. think for us, it's much more daunting because the next, you know, 20 years could potentially be, you They're know, critical, the end of yeah. things as we know it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it just has never been like that for them. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, the depression of, you know, was huge and, you know, the 
the bubble bursting again was huge, but now we're seeing the true effects of climate change right. and we're yeah. seeing literally every year huge things happening that you know we would have never even predicted happening five mm-hmm. years ago that is um, true so I, I think that's really part of it and i think like the responsibility is um of course on all of us but i think the accountability is much more well received with people that right. can take the ownership of i can do something about it and yeah of, one person can yeah because yeah. i think that there's also this mindset of oh well I can't do anything. And they take the straw. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they'll go ahead and take the straw. Whereas if you're in McDonald's or wherever it is that you eat, you can just refuse the straw Mm -hmm. and you don't have to take all of the the packages of ketchup and everything Mm -hmm. unless you're really going to use it. But there's this place of, um, in America, we're all about abundance. And convenience. And convenience. And in other countries, it's about... Um, conservation Mm -hmm. if you're in a Scandinavian country but then there's also this place of scarcity if you're in a third world country and so there's other factors that are being mitigated here that people are just not considering and as Americans Mm -hmm. anytime I've ever traveled I come back I go we have so much we don't even appreciate what we have and we we don't take care of the things that we do have and which is our planet and where we live this is our home And, and to that point, actually, just referencing to another uh, thing that we've recently come across, there's this documentary called Kofi and Lardy, mm-hmm. and it explores the life of these two little boys that are growing up in the largest electronic waste dump, um, Abagoshi in Ghana. And the reason that movie struck such a chord in me was because we as a nation have been exporting all of our electronic waste overseas because and dumping it in other countries exactly it's it's easier for us to just say i don't want to look at it it's not pretty and Mm -hmm. you know we're too good for dealing with this waste let's go put it in the you know the underprivileged nations yeah let them deal with it exactly but now we've ruined you know the the environment and we've ruined the health of children for generations in Mm -hmm. these areas because Mm -hmm. you know there there is this resource that is a waste product for us but they find the smallest amount of value in those you know materials like copper and you know ferocious metals Mm -hmm. and they will literally burn toxic materials so that they can you know get that small amount of money to escape their own poverty so you know we we think maybe we might be doing something that's like a favor to them but in reality we're just inflicting pain on others that no one asked for Mm -hmm. so Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely glad that there's people out there. Well, not a lot, but at least there's a few conscientious people that yeah. take this into consideration. And, like herself. And make like a difference. Yeah. So I, pre- I appreciate you and your initiative. Well, really. and don't, don't get down on it. Like, there's definitely millions of us, and I think yeah. it's just harder to I feel like they could it. be in the billions, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, there's... Definitely. There's just... Uh, it's really easy to get caught in, like, the echo chamber of, like... Oh, those millennials, because, you know... Or Gen Z, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or the Gen Zs, because it's easy to just, like, write us off. But at the end of the day, it's not a generational thing. It's, you know, uh, the openness to to learn and be human Mm -hmm. and understand what's happening and want to take action. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. So I had pulled this article, and um, it's from Zion Market Research, and it stated that the global battery recycling market will reach up to $2160 million by 2025. That's like right around the corner. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I take issue with this because I know that when, you know, you and I had talked one time, um, part of the mindset is that, oh, this can't be a business. <laughs> Obviously it can. And it's a lot of money here. Yeah. Um, and the reason, actually, uh, it's funny because the Department of Energy just had a call for submissions for uh, proposals that would reach 90% recycling of lithium in 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, so, obviously... That regulation is happening now. It's not a regulation. It's a it's a call for, like, applications because they want to fund businesses that yeah. are trying to reach that goal, um, which is incredible, which means they're already thinking of it. Yeah. And right. the reason why is because they do see the potential in the industry of making money and course you know helping our gdp because uh you know with electric cars and you know all these renewable energy resources Mm -hmm. the only way they function is having energy storage and energy storage is going to be a battery Mm -hmm. and if 
like we are only referring to traditional forms of mining for lithium, those resources are going to be depleted by 2050. So the reclamation process is the only way that we're going to be able to sustain the innovations in tech that are going to be reliant on these energy storage systems. So that's exactly why that industry is booming and why we see potential in staying in this business, even if we are some of the first kind of... Yeah, you, you know, guys yeah, are really start just... Somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> Paving that way and being pioneers to, you know, just again raise awareness because yeah. I, I find this conversation so um, valuable, and needed. It's it's just and people have blinders on. It seems like they're not Absolutely. listening. Yeah. So I really hope that this show, this show, uh, results in a lot of um, contacts and feedback and all kinds of a. Uh, great things for you and and mm -hmm. kinsley at batteries Absolutely. i see you victor <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah all right so i know we had a bunch of other information on here but i'm not going to read all of that about that article we'll definitely share it with our listeners in our uh, notes so that people can go ahead and um, find it and then they'll be able to read it themselves so who are some of the women that inspire you and why I think the most inspiring woman for me is going to be Greta Thunberg, and mm -hmm. this is the teenage activist that you know stood outside of these politicians' office and said, "We have to do something now. You're ruining my future." And I just love that she has she's just relentless, and she doesn't ask anybody to you know give her a pass because she's so smart and well spoken mm -hmm. and you know she's nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize because she's really just rallied so many young people that felt helpless behind her because mm -hmm. they saw it really does just take that one person that's to be brave exactly relentlessly brave. just asking for better because that's what we need we need someone that's not mm -hmm. going to cower we need someone that recognizes how urgent it is and it's people like her who are making our future a better place and have you seen that um i think it's nike that goes i think i can i think i can and mm -hmm. it's a bunch of women i'm going that's exactly what i'm hearing when you're sharing this story about this yeah. woman it's really uh, inspiring and actually just so you know, you're like evangelizing over here to me and going, yes, we can do this. And it's that one person I'm going, yes, it's exactly what I needed to hear. So thank you. It really is. Yeah, visionary. Mm -hmm. All right. So who are some leaders and mentors, living dead, you know personally or, or just read about them, uh, heard about them that have shaped your thinking and helped you grow? Because I know that there's a lot of people <laughs> that your list is long. <laughs> yeah. I guess... Um, in terms of like shaping my thought is kind of where yeah. I, I would like to head with that. Um, and then if I'll just name drop my mentor, Raja Sangram. Um, he was the person that uh, recommended me the book Creative Confidence by the mm -hmm. founder of IDEO. I think it's David, David Kelly, yeah. Um, and that book really opened my mind because it's, you know, of course, based on IDEO's concepts of human-centered design and your ability to create things without limitations and just pushing yourself and not fearing failure. Um, and that's really what pushed me into just pursuing what I love. Um, but in terms of like theory and what shaped my ideas for what business is going to be in the future, uh, definitely there was, I, I have, I have written down her name so I don't forget. Um, there's two people so the biomimicry is one of the coolest things that i've ever seen in my life mm -hmm. um and it's imitating nature in business and creation and design um and that's uh, jamie banyas and she's the author of biomimicry innovation inspired by nature which i think is the coolest thing ever and mm -hmm. i have heard her ted talks a few times and she's just i'm gonna go look those up yeah and then the other is uh, michael bruggenar and bill mcdonough and they were the like first theorists for cradle to cradle which is like the start of the circular economy theories. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love that it was my thesis. It's my favorite thing. I obviously think that everything needs to be, you know, reclaimed, reused, Purpose. So explain the cradle to cradle concept just for our listeners that don't know. Um, it's basically the uh, it's a design concept with the intention of every single thing being able to be used again or reclaimed to be used for a separate purpose. So a baby's cradle. Right. So a baby's cradle, it grows up, and instead of dying, it goes back into the cradle. 
<laughs> a person. <laughs> no. The the cradle to cradle is more so just saying that there there is no death in the process. There's no creation of of waste. Um, waste is seen like I think the quote is like waste is food, um, meaning that it somebody's going to eat exactly. it exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the intention behind that theory, and it was one of my favorites in terms of guiding the the vision for batteries. So. Right. Wow, that was interesting. Yeah. Very interesting indeed. All right, so next up, uh, as you know, this is the uh, Intern Whisperer Show. So let's just ask the question already. Uh, were you ever an intern? And if so, what was it like? Oh, yeah. I was an intern for the Domestic Violence Shelter for the county. Um, and it was the most eye-opening experience of my life. I had an incredible boss, uh, and she believed in me. And I was mm-hmm. surrounded by all women. So that definitely had to do some a little bit with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but being around powerful women and powerful women that empowered me um, as an intern definitely allowed me to see my own potential. Mm-hmm. And they pushed me to grow in so many <coughs> different ways. And honestly, it wouldn't be the woman I was and am without them. So, Dakota Pori, you're the boss. I love you. <laughs> mm, interesting. Well, um, what would a typical day look like for an intern with batteries? I know it depends upon the position. Yeah. But, you know, when I was talking with Kinsley, it was like, okay, marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So what would that day look like? Um, well, the biggest thing for us really is we we get things done best when we're face to face. So a lot of it is just running into the people that we're speaking to. So heading to the universal lot sometimes with us, um, going over to a research parkway for some meetings down there with our, our design teams. Um, but the biggest thing is with our East Builder campaign is creating connections and networking through that. Um, so it's really rallying the troops around the, the mission that we have to create uh, uh, easier streams for electronic recycling. So our intern and the intern call out that we had for this last round was uh, to help us foster a better community. Um, and that's why we have the ease builder campaign now. So, so specific tasks that I believe, because that's what a student will always ask, well, yeah. what exactly would I do? What Kinsley had said is help create the content. Yeah. So somebody that would be a writer, they could write articles, yep. they could help write maybe a white paper if they're really talented. Yeah. Um, creating the social content. It's Sounds definitely like our impact reports as well. Uh, that's oh. that's one of our biggest things. We have to not only have our metrics, which we report on. Those are very technical pieces of writing, I'm going to guess. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's definitely um, understanding the environment in Orlando and reporting on that. And then um, we have our metrics in place so we can see what our effect is on the community. Um, and then, of course, having that uh, illustrated to all of our partners, all of our followers is what's really important. So creating content around that is definitely a big thing for us. Yep. And I bet that they would also, because you mentioned networking mm-hmm. and some business development, yeah. um, that's really a valuable skill. Those are some certainly communication skills and instills confidence, yeah. uh, perhaps some leadership there. But it sounds like there might be some opportunities for being able to participate in some of the things that are not always available to a student where you get to work directly with the leaders and do um, some some things of helping to set up processes and yeah. things that are a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> no uh, politics in our, in our team yeah. just yet. It's pretty much uh, full transparency and just always shooting for the stars so it's great to have someone with an innovative mindset that's willing to help us create all right well we are like at the end of our show so um we have a transition yeah awesome of course we do i'm just gonna pull it up we'll barely hear it And I got this one. I feel like uh, you read the second sponsor, so if you don't mind, I can go okay, ahead and you read take this. It. All right. So we would like to thank Valencia Community College East Campus, uh, Q, our station manager. We love Q. He's great. Uh, our state-of-the-art social broadcasting studio with some great atmosphere, knowledgeable staff, and fantastic environment to produce in, and very easy equipment to learn to use. Yep. So, Abby, shout-outs. All right. I'm just going to give a shout-out to my grandmother. Uh, Thank you very much for tuning in. And Victor. Shout-out to Victor. Victor. Of course. Um, And a quick shout-out to just my friends and family. So, it went to you. Thank you for coming in. Also, quick little side note, I love your logo. 
uh, the batteries logo. Go Kinsley. Yeah, it looks very well done. I love the font. It's just very simple. The colors are very... Uh, yeah, shout really out like to Kinsley yeah, for being the Kingsley, best of friend course. of all of her. Yeah, <laughs> of course. She <laughs> is good. All right. Well, that goes to you now. Your shout outts other than Kinsley. Yeah. Else? Um, thanks, <coughs> Mom and Dad, for putting me through college <laughs> so I could be a great lady um, and all of the great people who have shaped me into the being I am. Yeah. You have had some amazing people, and you mentioned them all also, whether it was Ben or Sean, yeah. Simpler. I mean, there's just so many people. So you've given lots of shout outs to and Casey. really great people. People. Go yeah. Casey Field. <laughs> yes, and thank you, Casey. And Casey is also with Starter Studio. Yes. She's awesome. program manager. Um, my shout-out. My shout-out goes to the guest. Thank you so much for being our guest. Abby, it is always a pleasure to work with you. I am I w- so thankful. I wish I could be here more. Oh. It's always a pleasure. I really want to figure this one out. We're going to have to figure it out now. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you to all of our listeners and then also to all of the Intern Pursuit team, whether it's social content, video, they're the developers, that's Joe and Dennis and Logan, and then just the, the rest of the people. I mean, there's just so many. But thank you to all of those and the game team. Thank you to the game team. So uh, as we finish these out, if you want to contact us, you can do it at info at internpursuit.tech. Phone number is 321-422-2166. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and YouTube. And then you can watch us live on Facebook. Follow Valencia College Radio. All right. All right. So we want to thank you for listening. Of course.